Welcome to the Voices of Freedom podcast by Freedom All Carp. Each week, you'll hear mind-blowing interviews from survivors and professionals, as well as actionable tips that you can implement in your life to become a better advocate for human trafficking survivors. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now let's jump into the next episode of Voices of Freedom. Paula Lybrook is a mom of three and a grandma to two beautiful grandchildren. She is a Columbus native, born and raised. Her education is in social work, mental health, and addiction services. She has spent 20 plus years working with the children, teens, and families of Franklin County with agencies such as Nationwide Children's Hospital, the Center for Child and Family Safety, Help Me Grow, and Huckleberry House. She has been a case manager for Franklin County Child Support Enforcement Agency since 2016. Most recently, she was a case manager in a demonstration project that integrated the principles of that integrated the principles of procedural justice into the enforcement practices at six child support sites across the United States. When she's not working, she enjoys watching Ohio State football, traveling to new places, trying new restaurants, and spending time with family. I'm thrilled that Paula was able to make time to join me on the podcast and um, share her experience of being a parent to a survivor of sex trafficking. Jumping in, this episode is, um, the topic is basically speaking with a parent that is a survivor of sex trafficking. Um, And you're going to take us through your experiences. The first question I have for you is, can you share a surface level view of your experience being a parent to a survivor of sex trafficking? Um, well, I can tell you this. It was like a complete roller coaster. Um, you know, there's the ups, there's, there's the downs, there's the, what the hell is going on right now? Like what, (laughs) um, I just think that, uh, the surface level overview is just, honestly, it's, hang on tight because you'll, there'll be, there's so many ups and downs to this. Um, and there's so many things I did not know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I kind of had to like jump in um, with both feet, not even knowing like what you're jumping into. Yeah. It's, 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 I had no idea. And then, you know, all of these things just were, happening and I was like what I don't understand what what's going on and so I just think it's it really is a roller coaster there's the ups the downs you know there's moments where you see your your child and you're like there she is and then there's moments where you're like who are you right now I don't know what's happening let me you know just talk to me and tell Mm -hmm. me what's going on I can help um so you know at the time, that's kind of what I felt like and, and what it, it felt like throughout the process, honestly. Can you talk about how you did find out what was going on? Uh, I, I think initially, um, you know, there was just odd things. There, was, there were things that, that were connected to her addiction. And so those things, I was like, what... Well, something's not right. You know, we, we were pretty close. And so I kind of felt like I had a pulse on what was happening with her. And then 
all of a sudden there was like a change in friends and a change in attitude. And there was more of a, like a secrecy things that I know about. Um, and then when you would ask her, she's like, it's good. Like, and I feel like there were times where she would like pick a fight with me just so she could go. And by the time I kind of was putting things together, she was already out of our house. Mm -hmm. So she was in our house and out of our house, you know, both yeah. in and out. So she would move in and she'd move out. Um, but at the time I was like, something's not right. And I just kind of contributed it to, um, you know, she's, it's growing pains. She's changing friends. She's finding her way. Mm-hmm. She, you know, I just really, as a mom, I don't know if I just didn't want to see it or if I just uh, kind of, you know, just let her stretch her wings and see what, you know, see where she lands. Yeah. I'll be here if she needs me. And so I think how I finally kind of like started figuring out that sh- this kiddo's in trouble is that she started getting arrested. She started, you know, and I didn't, I, like when I would look online to see what was happening, I didn't even know what solicitation meant. I didn't know what, those things were. So when she would call me, um, I'd say, what does that mean? You know, I would, yeah. I would, I'm asking the, I'm asking her and she just knows, I think she knew like, just tell me enough yeah, that I'd be like, okay, uh, all right. <laughs> you know? And then. So was she, um, did she have substance use history prior yes. to being trafficked? No. Okay. No. So um, just a a brief history. She had a lot of trauma. Mm. She had a lot of grief. She had a lot of loss. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that uh, she turned to substance abuse. um, And I think that's where those signs started coming in. I had no idea about sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. None. Um, but, and I had, my degree is in, um, substance abuse, mental health, all that, but it just didn't attribute it to my kid. Right. Um, you know, because I've always talked to them about that stuff and I've always, you know, shared with them and they didn't grow up with that in our home. And so it didn't dawn on me that that'd be something that she would even, dabble in yeah which I think Um, is important for why we're doing this episode today is because a lot of people are like oh like that won't happen to my family like not my kid yeah and you know you're sharing this vulnerable story of your family that it did happen to your kid and it can happen to anyone like addiction does not discriminate and we've said that before on the podcast and I think like you know it's a perfect example like You didn't have substance use in your family growing up, but it still um, contributed to your family. So, absolutely, and the and I think the the grief and the trauma and that stuff contributed to you know different friends and different ways of escaping all that and different ways. And it, I really do feel like you know when you look back on it, these are all things that. Um, contribute to um, how can I make this feel better? What can I do to make this feel better? And I honestly do feel like there was a lot of times she didn't come to me with things because she knew like we were, you know, we all dealt with a grief 
similarly, Mm -hmm. but different, like as a family. So I think she was like, oh, I just don't want to even bother her with that. Or my mom's already grieving, Mm -hmm. so I don't want her to have to take on her pain as well. Yeah. 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 And I can, I can understand that as being a daughter, I would not want to add to my mom's <laughs> own pain. So going out and finding ways to try to take care of it yourself is, you know, yeah. natural and understand, understandable. Um, so, and then when you look at the, um, you know, the different friends and the different, uh, you know, the distance, like, looking back now, I think, wow, you know, she did kind of go off the radar and I, and I was okay with that. Cause that's what they're supposed to do. You know, they're supposed to go out and spread their wings and they're supposed to go out and like find their way. And you're right. supposed to kind of be their landing spot when they need help. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't asking me for that help. So I just kind of think like in the moment, I was like, oh, okay, well, the, she's doing all the stuff she's supposed to be doing. And so when those, those, she'd get arrested, I was like, what? Wait, hang on a second. What? Right. <laughs> and so, you know, when I was asking her and she was kind of pacifying me with these, these things, and then it wasn't until I really started digging and like asking around, like, what does this mean? And what, what does that all entail? Like, I, I know what, that kind of means, but mom, my kid would never do that. Mm-hmm. What? And so I think that was the, the shock for me was like, what the actual hell are you doing? Yeah. What impact did this have on your relationship with your daughter? Uh, well, at first I was mad. I was really mad at her. Um, and, you know, I was like, I just didn't understand what she was doing. I didn't understand the level of what was happening. And I didn't understand uh, the impact of the addiction. I I guess I just thought, I don't want to say I just thought that she was, you know, finding her way or finding something that's going to, um, you know, make her feel better. But I just, I was just mad at her. And I feel like her um, distance from me was, uh, I don't know the the word. I feel like I want to say it was, uh, it hurt my feelings. Mm. You know, uh, like as a mom, you want them to turn to you and she wasn't. And then, you know, I was hurt. I was upset with her, but I was afraid for her. So my question, I have a question that I didn't have planned to ask you. So if you don't aren't comfortable (laughs) answering, I feel free to let me know and I can cut it out. But my question is, did she know that she was being trafficked or was it until, was it after I don't know your daughter and I don't know her story. So I don't know if she went through catch court or any of that, but did it have, yeah. did, did she go through catch court? Yeah. So was she it did. when yeah. she was approached by catch court? Was that when she realized, Hey, I am a survivor of sex trafficking. She did. Yeah. So she went through, she had been arrested several times mm-hmm. and, um, as her addiction, uh, got more intense, 
Um, you know, it got to the point where I was just like, you know, we're just going to leave her, you know, every time I go and bail her out and like do these things and, you know, run her everywhere and was running myself ragged. Um, but yeah, she eventually joined Catchport and, um, you know, the, her first time it didn't stick. I mean, she did the, um, like that once a week one where you come in and go once a week or whatever. Um, and she just... She didn't stick with any of it. She didn't. And I don't even think that I thought for her, that was just a means to an end. Like, let me just do this. So they'll get off my back. My mom will think I'm doing something, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't really until she was really staring at some time and, uh, you know, they approached her and, you know, we were, we would talk about it when she would call. And I think at that point I was like, you know, this, this is big. And, you know, you have this, this son here who needs you Mm -hmm. and you're making decisions that are affecting everyone. So, Mm -hmm. and most importantly for you and your future. And I think at that point she, I don't even think that she was ready to kind of surrender to that. I just think that she saw it like I can do this program. And I think they taught her yeah. and they helped her to see what was actually happening. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, she was able to start seeing these moments where she was like, Oh, Hey, hang on a second. This is trafficking. Yeah. That's, that's a really common experience that I've heard through many of the women who go through catch court is that they don't realize when entering the program that they're a sex trafficking survivor and the program, you know, thankfully educates them on their lived experience and helps them get the help that they need. Well, so and I, as a parent, court. I didn't, I didn't even understand. I don't understand that. I didn't understand that. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a, just an, average Joe, I wouldn't understand that. I would think of that as, you know, these minor kids that are being shipped all over, you know, countries. And, you know, I wouldn't think of it as happening in our zip code or, you know, in our homes and in our, in our neighborhood. I wouldn't think that because that doesn't make sense. Like in my, my parent mind, it doesn't make sense. She didn't grow up like that. What's she doing? Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, when you add in, addiction and trauma and grief and all these other things, then it starts to become, well, I mean, it's, it's happening. Right. It's happening. Yeah. Um, so a question for you, how did you keep yourself safe while trying to help your daughter? Girl, (laughs) I don't, I mean, I don't think that for the first probably Because, I mean, understand that, you know, when she was, when all of this was happening, this was like kind of new. I don't want to say new, but this was like the the beginning of this opioid crisis and this, you know, uh, it it was, people didn't talk about addiction like they do now, even. People didn't talk about our kids being trafficked. They didn't talk about any of that. That was something you kept hush hush. It was embarrassing. It was like, I had to go to work, you know, from not having any sleep, wonder where my kid was. 
and function. And so, you know, I just was like, you know, I try to keep it a secret. And so I think when I finally got to the place where I can't keep doing this, like it's exhausting me. It's exhausting the people around me. Um, my coworkers were picking up the slack. My family was picking up the slack. It was causing problems uh, in our household. Oh yeah. Um, you know, amongst other family members, because they're like, look, cut her loose. Just cut her loose. What are you doing? And I was like, this is my kid. Right. I'm not cutting her loose. What are you talking about? And it would cause so many problems. And then I think for for me, just to keep myself safe, I ended up re- like reaching out for counseling because I was like, I don't know how to help her. Yeah. And I can't talk about it to these other people because they have no idea. Their kids are going off to college and they're doing all these wonderful things. And, and uh, my kids like walk in Sullivan. So what, yeah. where, right. what, what do I even have in common with these people? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. Um, and so it, like I had to reach out and, and, and reach out to Al-Anon, um, reach out to, uh, other people, you know, try to find other folks. I would talk to people in, in the line at Walmart because we had our grandson. And so when people would be like, oh, your son is so cute. I'm like, no, he's our grandson. Mm-hmm. And then somebody in the line at Walmart would say, oh, we're raising our grandson too. And I'm like, really? Because what's going on with your kid? <laughs> because there was the, like, there wasn't this the support that was out there. I'm laughing with you, not at your situation, definitely laughing with you and can see how, you know, that would be an interesting path. Yeah. And even with counselors and like trying to set boundaries, like you can set boundaries with people in your circle. You can set boundaries with coworkers, but how do you set boundaries with your kids? And I know they're your adult kids at that point, but it was hard for me because I had lost a child already. Mm-hmm. So this one I wasn't going to lose. Right. Yeah. And I had another one still at home. Yeah. That was young. Going into high school. That That's we couldn't lot. forget about. Yeah. So not only are you trying to normalize what's going your home life, you're also trying to take care of what's not normal with your other child. Right. And you're like, and it's a roller coaster. It honestly was. It was. Yeah. I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that with us. (laughs) You know, I think um, being real and being honest and is the best way to educate people. Scared for her. Mm -hmm. Um, of the unknown he's like he's um just not knowing what was happening for her and like um you know when she when she would get picked up or when she would be arrested it was almost like a relief yeah because I knew where she was at yeah you knew that she was safe yeah um, so I think for me, it was like, honestly, trying to build a support um, circle and stick with counseling and trying to learn as much as I could, as much that was 
that was out there about what was happening. Right. Which and, like you know, it was hard because I wasn't sure what was happening. Yeah. And it sounds like, <laughs> so, you the, know, it sounds like at the time, you know, there wasn't as much resources available as there is now. So, right. you know, I'm sure that was even more difficult than if you were navigating the situation today. Um, so what have you learned or taken away from this experience? Um, honestly, I feel like, um, the, the biggest thing is that it, no one is immune to this. Yeah. Um, and it covers all socioeconomic classes. It does not discriminate. Uh, Everything, everybody, it's, yeah. it's not just, uh, you know, the hilltop. It's not just in the bottoms. It's in Dublin. Yeah. It's in Upper Arlington. It's everywhere. It's yeah. everywhere. And, you know, uh, and the other huge thing for me was um, how much grief and trauma played into um the vulnerability of, you know, her falling into that cycle and thinking like, oh, you know, you know, we, we did counseling and we did counseling as a family and we did all of these things. But, you know, when, when I think back on it, I think, gosh, you know, she kind of did the stiff upper lip. I'm okay. You know, and I didn't really, I, I took her at that mm-hmm. and I, I, don't think that and I don't lay the blame all on that but I just do feel like it played a bigger role than what we really thought yeah it would have and then when she she went through her own loss she lost her first child to SIDS and so I think that just compounded the grief that she had and the trauma that she had experienced and the the chaos um, in our house as she was growing up. And so I just think that that's, that was part of the cycle. Layers of trauma stacked on each other. Not knowing so many layers, her not knowing how to cope with it. You know, she was the perfect example of someone who's vulnerable and she's like the perfect candidate, I guess, or for lack of better words, like vulnerable, person who um these traffickers can pick out easily um so and i do think like it it has a lot to do with your friends and so she was always kind of the kid that um was the follower Mm. she was always the one that wore heart on her sleeve and she was always the one that like was the pleaser and so you know i have one kiddo that's like the hell with that i'm not doing any of that you know she's like and not to compare them, but that's just her personality yeah. and has was always her personality. And so I just, I do think that made her more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I do think that she was the oldest. And so she carried the the weight. And I, I, I think um, that she just kind of like, we'll just, we'll just get it through it. Keep the stiff upper lip and get through it. Yeah. And then when she found you know, that crowd and, and something that made her feel better. It did make her vulnerable to that, those traffickers. And I do think that she 
once you're in it, you're in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. You touched on it a little bit, but I wanted to see if there was any other um, warning signs that you wanted to share with parents to be aware of. I know we talked about um, childhood trauma and we've talked about um, friends and how she like pulled back from you, but was there anything else that you like wanted to add that you think like looking back on it, this was a warning sign? Uh, no, I just, uh, I really do think that those were the biggest ones, the change in the friends and the pulling back. And, and, and I don't know necessarily that, like I said, those are all things that, at you know, late teenager, early adulthood that I would have, not thought would make sense. Yeah. I mean, they do change friends and they do, you know, yeah. pull out, uh, you know, back a little bit from their parents because they are spreading their wings. They are getting, you know, but I think for me, that was like the secrecy mm-hmm. um, of it all mm-hmm. and not being able to kind of like pinpoint what's going on with you. Yeah. You know, wasn't even like a check-in or, <laughs> you know, like, like mamas do, we, we call our kids and we yeah. check on them and it was like missing those things. And, and so, yeah, I, I do think there was like, and then, uh, you know, different, and I don't want to say different boyfriends, but different boyfriends that give me the ick. Mm. Yeah. I understand. Like you just like, Hey, this person is making me feel uncomfortable. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. I'm feeling. And I've always was open to like, you know, love who you love. I'm okay yeah. with that, as long as they treat you correctly. Yeah. Um, and then we got to the point where it was like, we'll bring them into our fold and show them how we expect her to be treated. Mm-hmm. And then she still wouldn't be. She wouldn't bring them around. Mm-hmm. So I was like. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, you just go on your mama gut. Yeah. Last question for you is, what advice would you give to a parent in a similar situation? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Keep asking questions. Don't let them disconnect. Just keep asking questions. Educate yourself on, you know, get as much information as you can surround yourself with supports that are out there parent groups al-anon um read read up on any and all kinds of um you know trafficking what that looks like what it what talk to our survivor mm-hmm. reach out to these agencies that have survivors who can you know provide hey this is what i was doing or Hey, this is what I was doing. Uh, oh yeah, let me tell you about when this first happened. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know that I knew any of that. I wouldn't have known any of that. And right. so, you know, I could have been like, "Hey, by the way, are you? Uh, you know, is this what's happening? Is are people doing this to you? Are you offering this mm-hmm. to get drugs or whatever?" But I didn't know. And so I think the more you educate yourself and the more you ask questions and get support for yourself, because if there's that addiction piece with the trafficking piece, it's a family thing. Yeah. It's every per- person in that family is a piece of that puzzle. Yeah. And everyone has to be involved. It's not just 
you know, you as the mama and the child, it's everyone. Yeah. The other kids, don't forget the other kids that live in that house. They are experiencing the same things you are. And sometimes it doesn't feel like they feel invisible. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, like that's educate, 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 support, 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 because it's, it is a roller coaster. You are really going to have to strap in and hang on. I appreciate you um, being here today to educate other parents in the community. And even if they're not currently in the exact situation, hopefully this episode will prepare them or, you know, help guide them and their family to ha- hopefully avoid this situation. You know, we wouldn't wish this on anyone. So I- um, is there anything else that you feel like you want to add or share before we wrap it up? Um. Just that it's, it's, uh, like I said, it's a family disease. It's a family thing. And, and, um, you know, if you can support each other and get each other through it and, and, um, but make sure to set boundaries and, and be able to take care of yourself and your family and, you know, just stay solid for your people. Yeah. Thank you so much, Paula. I appreciate you being vulnerable, sharing your family's uh, story. And um, I enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. Um, Yeah. I also want to thank the listeners for joining us today and want to remind them to share their voice because their voice matters as well.